Welcome to the Rise of the Challenge podcast. Joining today, she's the executive producer at JDS Studios, majority owner of JDS Video and Media Production, and the founder of the JDS Creative Academy. It's Diane Strand. How are you doing today, Diane? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. Thank you, Alex, for having me here today. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. We're excited to talk about your rise to the challenge. What we like to do with our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what were you involved in growing up? Oh, well, I, my journey is long that kind of got me to this place. Um, you know, my adolescence were spent a lot in the Midwest and then I hit California, Southern California in my, in my mid teens. And I think at that time, the Hollywood lights were kind of shining really bright on me. And, um, it lured me up to Hollywood not long after I graduated high school and, did a couple of years at a community college and I started my acting career and I was doing some acting, but um, I, my writing started really taking off and I sold a screenplay and then I um, wanted to kind of go along with that screenplay. I thought, it, you know, why not? I wrote it. I could produce it. Well, um, Showtime had other thoughts in mind and they didn't take me along with my script. And one of the reasons was at that time was that I didn't have a college degree. I only had an AA degree. And so um, I figured I was never going to hear that again. And I went back to um, Cal State Northridge and I finished my degree and I got my bachelor's degree in radio, television and film and started working in the entertainment industry. And I had a nice successful career. I worked on shows like Friends and General Hospital and Veronica's Closet, built the high def control room at Staples Center and um, just pursued my career. I worked a lot in reality television. And um, that's when my husband and I, he's a professional actor. We kind of looked at each other. We had a three-year-old and we had a nanny raising them and decided that we had to make some changes. So um, we decided to jump off and be entrepreneurs. And uh, we left the LA Hollywood area, came about 70 miles south and launched our video production business and did corporate video and marketing and communications for uh, the next, you know, seven, 10 years. And my husband's acting itch kind of started up where he was uh, wanting to do something with that. And so we thought he would start teaching and we opened the actor studio. And uh, with that, we had all these young adolescents and even young adults who came out. And so we tapped back into some connections that we had in the LA market and brought some agents in, launched some careers in the entertainment industry. And, and then Through that, I started finding, you know, the actor studio kind of started, find a need, fill a need. And as people were coming, it's like, well, yeah, I love the acting, but I want to be a writer or I want to learn how to do video production or I want to do this. Can you help me? Can you train me? And, you know, I started putting on way too many hats and decided that, you know, I would get a group of people together and we founded a nonprofit and uh, we had a great uh, board of industry professionals who all work in the industry and had connections and we started teaching all different kinds of classes and, you know, getting involved in the community and different things that you do. I think that that is so important to be into the community that keeps your, your finger on the pulse of what's kind of going on. And do you want to rise to a new challenge and do those things? You got to know what the community is thinking and what they're feeling. And um, so 
we started um, pulling these classes together, making it great for homeschool kids, traditional school kids, and being involved in that community. Like I said, I started working a lot in workforce development and being on boards and in economic development. And I met an individual who had some barriers to finding their dream. And I was like, well, that that shouldn't be the case. I got to figure out how to break down this barrier. And so in meeting this individual, had a love for audio and had some raw skill, just needed a little training, a little hands-on. He did have some um, learning challenges um, where you just sit down and read a book was not the best way for him to learn. He had to have his hands on it and touch it and move it and figure out when I do it this way, why it doesn't work. And when I do it that way, it works better. And um, I found a real solution to putting people who maybe had some challenges uh, to be able to teach them as well as being able to provide some opportunities. And I built and wrote a curriculum for adults with developmental disabilities to learn video production. And, you know, what I've realized by working with these individuals is they have no problem learning the job, doing the job, succeeding with high quality work in the job. Their challenge is getting the job. So I, I have found ways to help them work through some of those social issues, give them the training that they need. So we're, we're our own little got me, you know, here to where I am. And, you know, I kind of consider that I, my, my job is to make dreams come true. And I do that by providing hope which is helping one person every day. Backtracking a little bit, when you were growing up in the Midwest, was the lifestyle of being actress, the Hollywood lights and all that, was that ever an option that was going through your mind? Or was there a different direction that you were wanting to go before you going out to California? Um, well, I would like to say that I had my life all figured out in you know my early teens, but I don't think that I did. Um, I always had a passion for the arts. That was always something that rang true with me. You know, I am someone who even struggles with a little dyslexia. Um, so reading was very tough for me growing up and learning that. And um, it was acting that really taught me how to read. I was in second grade and we were doing a play that was all about the American revolution or something like that. And I wanted to play Betsy Ross and I was not a strong reader in second grade. And so I worked really, really hard to be able to present in that audition and I got the role and then I memorized all the lines and it increased my reading skills. It made them stronger. And that's a benefit of of acting is leadership skills, self-confidence, reading skills, understanding the context and the meaning of words in another way. And that was a big changer for me. Now, I don't know that I was able to go, oh, I'm going to go do this as an adult when I was, you know, in my early teens, but I always gravitated in school. I always did the plays. I always did productions. I loved art class. You know, those were the classes that, you know, they would always say, oh, Diane's so creative and she does all these great things. Um, if we could only get her to do her homework. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I, I think it, it definitely shows in my early years. I don't know that I was, um, 
you know, quite figuring it all out yet, but there's definitely, when I look back, there's that saying, I think Steve Jobs said it best, where you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking back. And now that I see my path that got me to here, I can definitely connect those dots. Was there anyone in that industry that you kind of looked up to like, ooh, I would like to follow in their footstep or be like them in the industry? Lucille Ball. <laughs> she was definitely somebody as young. I was like, I, I wanted to live Lucille Ball's life. I love the show. She was such, and not only because she's funny and she's Lucille Ball and you watch her on TV doing all this wacky kind of stuff she was a business lady and, you know, she, you know, she was really the power behind the Desilu productions. It was Lucille Ball. And that was, and I think I kind of started to figure that out somewhere in my late teens. Um, I, I did, I did a research project on Lucille Ball and, and I just got this huge admiration for her. Um, so she was definitely one other than that, you know, definitely very starstruck. And, you know, I'm a typical girl in my early teens who, you know, I watched all the boys and the, the hot actors and those kind of things. But, um, you know, I'm a, I'm definitely, you know, I get that right and that left brain kind of going at the same time, you know, so I, I have that creative energy, but at the same time, I have that analytical brain. So, you know, I definitely had to balance the two and figure out how to, you know, how to drive that through. Was it a family decision to move to California or what brought you to California from moving from the Midwest? That was definitely a family decision. I didn't have a whole lot to say about that. I'll I'll never forget the day my parents told me we were moving to (laughs) California. I was a freshman in high school and it was one of those things, you know, I, I laugh about it now because I even tell my kids that the house that I live in now is the longest I ever lived in any one place. And I've now been there 12 years um, because every three to five years as a child or even as a young adult, I always moved, whether it be a change in apartment or change a house or move. And um, my parents moved a lot. My dad was climbing the corporate ladder and uh, he definitely moved us. I was born in Michigan. Then we went to uh, Ohio and Indiana and Kentucky. And we were in Kentucky and I'd been there about three years and settling into high school and everything was going great. And I'll never forget, I came home and my dad threw out something. So if there's anywhere in the U.S. that you could live, where would it be, right? And he's like, here, here's a map. You pick it out. You you tell me where it is that you want to be. And I'm like, oh, yeah, right, dad. Oh, I don't know. California, like right down the street from Disneyland. And he went, <laughs> done. And I went, what? <laughs> and I'm like, yep, yeah, we're moving to California. And that's exactly what he did. I ended up living like six miles from Disneyland when we moved to California. And you had to be the luckiest kid that you could almost just walk to Disneyland every day. It, you know, yes, I wouldn't change it for the world now. Um, but I can't say that I had those same feelings, you know, at the time, it was definitely a very traumatic move for me, you know, at 14, upheaving my life and trying to reestablish in, you know, 
Orange County, California at that time, you know, talk about life in the fast lane. I, I thought, you know, I was pretty progressive, but, you know, coming out here, not knowing what I was getting myself into, but, um, you know, I hit some bumps along the way, but I figured it out. <laughs> you talked about how you were moving so much. Were you ever worried about making friends or keeping those knowing that, oh, I might be moving in a couple of years and I won't see them ever again? Well, you know, like I, um, I, I don't know that I had those conscious thoughts, you know, especially moving younger, um, moving when I was in high school, as I said, that was pretty traumatic for me because I had a BFF that, um, thankfully she's still my BFF today. And this was pre Facebook, pre cell phones, all of that kind of stuff. And we managed to stay friends and keep that relationship thriving for 40 years now. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm very, very grateful. She was actually just out here in California in June visiting for, for a week. So, you know, I'm the godmother to her parents. She's the godmother to my, my, my parents, her kids, my kids, those kinds of things. So, um, I, you know, consciously, it was definitely always huge. Uh, I don't think before I got to Kentucky, I quite um, knew that moving all the time meant I wasn't going to see people or that it was traumatic, but that one was traumatic. And it definitely, I have to say, it probably affected me for, you know, my good, you know, two or three years here in California like that. I, you know, when I came out here, um, I was supposed to be starting my sophomore year in high school. And schools are much better in the East than they were in California at that time. And I, my credits threw me up to already being a junior and that's all I wanted. How fast can I get out of high school and start my life? Because I felt like my life was back in Kentucky at that point. Um, and that was my goal. How do I finish high school? And at that point, I'm, oh, I'll go back to college. I'll go back to Kentucky. That isn't what happened, but um you know, those next couple of years were, you know, a little shaky. I probably did some things I shouldn't have done and got involved with people I shouldn't have gotten involved in and learned some hard lessons. But um, at the same time, I wouldn't be who I am today if, you know, if those experiences hadn't made me who I am. And thankfully, I, you know, didn't go down in a crashing flame at yeah. that time. <laughs> when you talk about those decisions, if you were living in the Midwest, do you think you would have partake in those d- decisions that you kind of thought, oh, maybe they're not right? Or may- was it just the California lifestyle that was com- a complete change? Mm. No, you know, growing up in the late 70s, early 80s, you know, um, the things we know today, we didn't know then. So, um, you know, I was definitely a social butterfly and um, went places I probably shouldn't have gone or um, partaked in things I shouldn't have partaked in or, um, but at the, like, I still go back. I have no regrets, you know, as far as that goes, you know, I learned and Hey, I'm a better mom for it today. You know, I, I, my kids can't get by on me, but I can get by on my (laughs) parents, um, you know, as far as that goes. And, uh, I definitely think, yes, moving to California, it was life in the fast lane. And it probably took me places that maybe I wouldn't have experienced had we stayed where we were. But um, 
but I think it made me stronger. It made me tougher and it made me, you know, it made me, you know, and I even think that way as, as an adult or parent in that kind of sense that there are some things that you need to experience when you can still be in a safe zone, you know, that, you know, once you kind of turn 18, 19, 20, and you do things that, um, could land you in a lot of trouble, you know, but if you, um, you know, as a juvenile, as long as, you know, they're, you know, obviously you can do things that can land you in a lot of trouble as a juvenile, but when it's just kind of teenage angst stuff and those kinds of things, those are sometimes some safer places to let some of those play out because, you know, instead of, you know, bouncing yourself into some real trouble, like you could when you're all on your own, you know, you kind of bounce back to your parents' little safe hub, um, you know, in that sense. So I I definitely think there are things that should be experienced in certain aspects of your life, figure out who you are. But I don't think that um, those experiences are absolutely necessary in the severity that they could go down. And I think today, like I said, things just aren't today the way they were then. I mean, um, you know, sitting around at 16, 17 and having a few beers with your friends was more socially acceptable in the fact of a party situation. Now you wouldn't do it with other adults around or anything, but that was more, you know, but you know, now if you're at a party and there's a lot of drinking going on, there's a problem, you know? (laughs) So, you know, in in that, in that dichotomy, you know, there's just, it's just different, you know, 35 years later than it was then. Well, and something you mentioned is back then there was no Instagram, Facebook, social media presence. And now we're, you're seeing it all over social media and public perception. And that's why if, things like that happen it's like uh this is a problem but people always use the excuse well they do it or i saw a video that they were okay after they did that and i think it's totally the difference of times you mentioned that about getting through high school fast did you know the next direction after you graduate high school or you just wanted to enjoy the experience and go on different paths and try different things I think I had a path much more um, designed for myself before we moved to California. Um, I had visions of going to U of K when I entered my freshman year in high school back in Kentucky. And then moving to California, I think derailed a lot of that. And um, it was just, how do I get out of high school? And then what's next for me? Uh, I don't think I initially figured out that the entertainment industry was what's next for me coming out of high school. I do have to say that if it wasn't for my connection to the arts, when I was on that fast track to finish high school, if it wasn't for wanting to be in the play or wanting to be a part of the drama club in high school, I probably would not have finished high school, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, as far as that goes, because I had to keep my grades up to be in the play. I had to not ditch school enough so I didn't get kicked out, you know. So it was because of that love for the arts or being in the play or part of that, that made the rest of my life 
still succeed because I had to keep that up to make this happen. Um, you know, I came out once I graduated, um, I did not go right off into junior college. You know, I thought I had all the answers and, um, needed to, you know, go out and live on my own and figure it all out. And, you know, I was trying to even figure out how to get back to Kentucky, maybe a little bit and what was that going to look like, but, you know, I started to grow up, started to mature, had to get a job, had to figure it out. I'm like, well, this isn't the job that I want for the rest of my life. How do I make that better? And then it's like, oh, maybe I have to go back to school, you know? So that's kind of where, you know, some of those things started to click, click, click in my head, you know, as I went from, you know, temp agency to temp agency or waiting tables or this or that and trying to figure it out for a couple of years after I bounced around after high school and, but then I figured out, you know, school and education was the way. Um, and I went to Fullerton Community College and I got my AA degree. And then I thought, oh, that's it. I got my AA degree. I'm set. I'm happy. Moved up to LA. I'm pursuing my career. I was an actor. But then I started writing and finding other things. And, um, and then again, once again, I needed more education. So I had to go back and finish that education. And since then... I, you know, haven't looked back and I've just been moving, you know, a hundred miles an hour, you know, just making things happen. But I still think education is the key. There are different ways to get that education. And that's what I do for a living now is I provide those different ways to get your education. And if you want to do what it is that I do, if you want to do video production, journalism, radio, you want to be on stage, you want to be in a play, you want to be a director, you want to um, be a camera operator, an editor, an actor, any of those kinds of things, I can help you find that dream and train you for that dream and make it come true uh, in a hands-on type of experience. And that's um, what I found um, works best. Um, you know, in learning is when you can touch something and figure out that, you know, this paperclip works best this way. When you do it, you know, if I just try to explain a paperclip to someone, they're like, well, does it grab like that? Or does it do this? Or, you know, all the different things. And it's like, no, it's not a clip. It's a paperclip. It's this, you know, but you want to know what a paperclip is, pick it up and touch it. (laughs) And that's kind of, um, you know, that's my philosophy. And that's how I kind of teach and train. And um, you want to know how to work a camera, turn the camera on. And what do you see? And is it in focus? Well, no, we got to make it in focus. And how do you, you know, and do they look like they're sitting way down here? Are they up here? And how do you, you present yourself and put yourself out there. So you fill a frame and, you know, those are things that, you know, we teach and, um, but if I just tried to talk about the lower thirds or the, you know, being in the two thirds of the top for somebody who can't visualize that without seeing it or touching it, um, you know, it makes for a challenge. When you were in LA being an actress, is there a role that you enjoyed doing or do you have a favorite role that you've had? Well, um, I loved theater. Um, you know, I played um, one of the my most fun roles to play was Veruca Salt in um, Willy Wonka oh, and the Chocolate yeah. Factory. 
um, because that is a little bit of my personality. I want it now. Um, So that was a very fun role to play on stage. Uh, I did a lot of commercials. I didn't have the big role that I could say, oh, go find me on this. You know, if that would have happened, I may not be the producer that I am today. So, um, you know, I, I can't say that, you know, I was able to you know, make my mark as an actress. Uh, I more, I, I, I worked, I made money, but I never became a household name. And, you know, you know, I did some smaller commercials. I, I, one of my favorite commercials uh, was actually doing a Frosted Flakes commercial. Um, I got paid the most money for that. And I got to work with Tony the Tiger. So, you know, he was like a fan and it, it, you know, in the commercial that you see, he's animated, but when you act with him, it's a dude in a suit. (laughs) Do you ever kind of wish that you had those bigger roles or maybe took a bigger risk being an actress or like, like a lot of things you're saying that everything happened for a reason and you grew from every opportunity because it got you to the next step or something that you are passionate about doing? No, uh, you know, I I don't think that I wish that that big role ever came along because I love the life that I live now. And, um, you know, while I like a lot of attention, I will say that um, I I like being in control more. So um, being an executive producer allows me to really be in that uh, driver's seat and in that control position. So, um, so I do like that role a lot better. Um, you know, I really like writing, um, and that's much more on the producing side. Uh, I'm not one to sit and stare at a blank page and just like, ah, concept and here it goes. That's not the kind of writer that I am. You know, I'm much more think of an idea, start talking about it, get some ideas on paper. Then I can start writing and editing and doing that. I'm in the process of writing a book right now. And so I do a lot of yeah, yeah, yeah into my phone and uh, just trying to tell stories and do that. And then uh, then I will go back and start organizing and, and putting it all together. Uh, you know, but I'm working with a mentor because I'm not a, a writer by instinct or trait where I can just sit down, you know, it's just much more creativity that kind of enhances. I always say that, you know, I'm, I'm a spin artist, you know, I, I do well, really well in the marketing. So, you know, if you give me, you know, one sentence, you know, the cat ran up the tree, I'm going to say, oh, the cat with the orange and gray stripes took a flying leap and clawed into the tree and then slowly made its way to the top as we watch the branches whistle in the wind and and glide back and forth as the cat came sailing out and landed on all four legs, all four paws in, in the yard. You know, I take that one little sentence and I, I spin it and blow it up. That's, that's probably one of my, my talents. <laughs> you talked about, you worked on some big shows. What were you, were you doing anything behind the scenes or what were you doing to be involved with those shows? Um, well, friends was one of my um, first jobs out of college and I came in as a production assistant but I already had a lot of experience at that time so I got kind of moved up 
pretty quickly. And I went from production um, assistant into a production coordinator position. And then I moved into an associate producer position. But all of those positions were in the office. They were not on set. I mean, I would go to set to bring things back and forth, but um, I worked in the office. Um, that's where I started learning a lot about line producing, um, money, what it costs to run the show, what you need to produce those shows. Um, so I worked a lot um, in that, in the line producing side of it, and that was on Friends. Um my internship was with General Hospital, and I did a lot of day uh, work with General Hospital as a as a day producer, um, which was just day work. They didn't have anything full time, so I had to kind of um, grow beyond that. I always say that, which was my dream job. I, I am a soap opera watcher. I love General Hospital. I still watch it to this day. Um, the only time I think I didn't watch it was when I worked there because I had the scripts two weeks in advance. So I could just <laughs> read and I knew what was going on. Um, but, uh, you know, they could only, I, I started there as an intern and then they brought me in as a day hire, but it wasn't just consistent enough to, you know, be able to make all my bills work at that time. So I, I had to go find something else. And I often say, you know, what happens when your dream job is your first job? Um, Cause that's kind of what happened to me. That was my dream job. And I got it as an internship and then I was a day hire and I worked and I'm still friends with a lot of the, the cast and crew, uh, but I couldn't stay there. There wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't enough to keep making my mark and moving on, it would have taken a really long time. And it's interesting because some of the people who were there with me then that are still there now, you know, they were in different, you know, I was already, when I was working coming out, I was already married. And, um, you know, I already was trying to, you know, start life on my own at that point, you know, and I, a lot of those that are still there, you know, they lived at home with their parents and, you know, they didn't have to pay their bills and they could work for a hundred dollars a day, one or two days a week and wait, you know, and some of them are still there and now they are staff and, you know, they're in like Flynn, but, you know, I, I couldn't, that, you know, that wasn't my career pathway. I had to, you know, I, you know, can't say I did so bad. I went from general hospital to friends. So, you know. <laughs> well, I was going to ask, did you prefer being on general hospital, working at general hospital set or working for friends? But it sounds like general hospital was the way, cause you said you just love soap operas and all that. That was my dream job, you know, and every day, you know, I'd walk down the hall and I'd get to see the people that I had been watching on TV since I was, you know, in fifth or sixth grade, I had a babysitter who got me into it way back <laughs> when, but, um, you know, I, that it's interesting though. Um, the, the job itself, I enjoyed the job at friends better than the job at general hospital. Um, but I enjoyed the creativity at General Hospital because I didn't get to be very creative at Friends. It was all numbers. and With your media and video production company, working those two different types of jobs at General Hospital and Friends, do you think it made you a better entrepreneur that you're able to help those people who want to do similar roles that you experienced? I'm able to provide advice for sure. Um, and, and be able to provide, um, 
pathway opportunities for people. Like if this is your pathway, this would be good steps for you to take to build that resume, to get in that door this way. So it definitely, you know, provided me the knowledge as far as that goes. So um, kind of leading back to, you know, the question, which is, which is the creativity that came through working at General Hospital um, showed me the difference in, because they didn't have, General Hospital didn't have the total analytical side to it. That was all run through ABC. Everybody at General Hospital was creative. You're an actor, you're a writer, you're a casting director, you're a producer, you're a coordinator, but it's all about the creativity of getting the show out, writing, all of those things. When we were, when I worked for Friends, I was part of the production company. So we had, you know, we dealt with all of it. I think working for Friends prepares me more for what I'm doing today than working at General Hospital, but working at General Hospital prepares me more for the creative side of what I do. Um, But that, you know, those two shows aren't, you know, my only shows that I worked on, you know, I would have to say being a part of Disney Channel was um, really probably my best training ground when I went to Disney, because I was a writer producer for Disney, I worked for the channel, I, um, it was all about marketing and promotion of, you know, what's coming up next, next on magical world of Disney, you have two talking dogs, you know, and then you'd throw in some clips from, you know, the different dogs are talking and as you're trying to drive people to go watch the show, right? Um, so it was all about the marketing and promotions. And um, then I was part of the launch for Playhouse Disney when um, Bear in the Big Blue House and Roly Poly Oly and um, Out of the Box. You know, I was part of all of those launches with Playhouse Disney. So that was really, truly, I mean, I was with Disney for almost three years. Um, you know, that was that was a very big training ground for me that really showed me how you launch shows, how you launch stations, how you market, how you do use media to help you market other media. You know, that was really, truly my training ground. That just sounds like a lot of fun. And when you were naming those TV shows, like Out of the Box and Bear in the Big, I'm like, oh man, that was my childhood. Like literally- I just remember my, if my mom was watching this, she'd like, we went to one of those live shows where those characters were. And it's just, the, that is basically when they came out with that stuff, it just hit the public and people enjoyed it. And just everything that you named that you were doing, the creativity side of working on Disney, it just, it sounds like your passion came out a lot. Like you enjoyed doing it. And you wanted to experience everything because it helped you grow as an individual in that industry. Absolutely. You know, I, I still go back to, you know, I, I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to say then why I was doing it or what I loved other than I just loved my job. Right. You know, and what I did. Um, but I didn't know that it was a training ground for me to do what I'm doing now or, you know, or think about it in that way. I just, I did. I just loved what I did. Um, you know, Bear in the Big Blue House, 
um, holds a very emotional spot for me. I was very much a part of the launch of that show. And um, I'll never forget when my son, you know, he watched Fair in the Big Blue House. You know, he's probably right about your, my oldest is right about your age too. And, you know, he got potty trained on the potty train, you know, so yeah, it, it was all part of that. You know, it, it holds very fond memories for me, you know, but I, you know, it's interesting. Now, if you want to talk about the place where I'm more hobnobbed with the who's it's and what's it, that would be at Universal Studios. But that was working for um, the the theme park. So I was with Universal Creative and at the theme park, when you stand in line and you watch the monitors and you're watching, you're there for Back to the Future, you're seeing behind the scenes of Back to the Future or an interview with Michael J. Fox or Christopher Lloyd. Well, I got to go interview Christopher Lloyd and Michael J. Fox and, um, you know, and work on all of the things that went on. So we built all of the media packages that went, you know, for all the lines, you know, if you're in Back to the Future, or you're in Backdraft or, you know, Jurassic Park, you know, we went and prepared all of the behind the scenes stuff. So when you're standing there in line, the making of and meeting the actors and, and doing all of that. So that was a lot of fun. I feel like I'm getting like exclusive, like behind the scenes of when you're just sit, standing there in line, how all this happens. Cause you wonder, like you're standing there and you're hearing like the videos and stories. You're like, how did they do this? Like, where, where did they like, how? And it's just, it's, it's so fascinating. And that's what I love is just learning and from my guests and it's just so fascinating everything that you've done because it just shows that you have so much passion for what you do and you love doing it and people that are listening to this interview they're gonna see it and they're gonna say I'm passionate about the things that I'm doing and continuing to grow and finding new opportunities and find new ways to innovate that they're gonna follow in that path also so it's nice to hear Thank you. Yeah. Well, it's nice to kind of tell my story and, um, you know, and as I, you know, kind of remember some of this stuff, I have to say, this is, you know, I love that you're delving a little bit more into my past and making me think about this stuff because, you know, most everyone just wants to know about what I'm doing today and how it's all working today and, or how I got to where I am today. And a lot of this stuff doesn't even come up. So I'm getting to go a little bit down memory lane. So Thank you. <laughs> when you made the change to be an entrepreneur, was there a lot of risks in doing that? Were you ever worried like, what happens if I fail? What happens if it, this doesn't work? What do I do next? Because you talked about your husband. I don't know if this is if you're married at the same time, but he was an actor. And sometimes actors have a, a fall where they don't get jobs at certain points. Or was he still finding jobs where it was helping to make that transition into the next step in your career? Um, no, it was a big risk. It was a big leap of faith that we took. Um, I, my husband was acting. He was in between gigs. So um, mostly taking care of our three-year-old son. I was the majority breadwinner. I was working in reality television, making, you know, six figures. And this is back in, you know, the early 2000s where that was a lot of money then yeah. <laughs> and, um, so uh, you know I had had a really bad day at work but they were a lot of bad days reality television can be very brutal 
Um, it, it definitely, it changed it changed the industry. There's no doubt about it. Reality television changed the industry when it hit in early 2000, everything started to shift and change and you could feel it in the industry. I went to work for reality television, but it, it was such a pace, you know, everything was either you're succeeding or you're failing. There is no in between. Mm-hmm. And it was very harsh And I had a couple of weird days that were going kind of consecutively, you know, kind of things. I was working on Survivor and Big Brother and all of those things. And it was a lot, you know, I'd come home tired. And, you know, last thing I want to do is I had a three-year-old at the time, you know, I I'm like, I'm, I just don't want to go to bed. I want to do bath time and dinner time. And, <laughs> you know, I got to get up at six in the morning and start all over again. So, and that wasn't what I wanted. I mean, I really wanted to be a mom and, and enjoy those things. So, um, you know, I was like, do I need to, you know, what do I need to do next? You know, so my husband and I were just talking. He's like, well, what if <laughs> we sold our house, quit our jobs, moved down to the San Diego area and started our own production company. And I looked at him, I went, are you serious? And he went, yeah. And I went, okay. And it was that simple, you know, but you ask about fear every single day. I have fear every day. I wake up and I do something that I have never done before. That is the life of an entrepreneur. So I have fear every day. Is it going to work? Is it not going to work? Am I doing the right thing? Um, is tomorrow the day I have to go find a real job? You know, those, those still, even today, you know, I run three successful six, seven figure businesses, but I still wonder if next month I'm living under the freeway. Um, but I think that keeps me hungry. I have that go getter mentality that, you know, I don't stay in one place long, whether it's comfortable or uncomfortable, you know, I'm always shifting and changing and, um, you know, and now the fear is I've got 14 employees, you know, I, not only do I have to make enough to make my standard of living, I got to make enough to pay them, you know, so it, it, those are consistent fears, but, you know, I, I have conversations with fear all the time, you know, get in that backseat, you can talk all you want, but you are not driving this car. I am, you know, so I just keep pushing, you know, I just keep pushing forward. You know, sometimes I, you know, let fear like, oh, maybe I'll not go that way and I'll go this way. And, and then I'm like, I should have just did it that time when I had it, you know, but those are learning lessons. You know, there were some very dark days in entrepreneurship, you know, the days when I didn't know how I was making, you know, putting, you know, putting food on the table or paying the bills and okay, is, you know, are we really going and starting to pull out our resume? Do I need to go back up to LA? You know, those were all thoughts daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, you know, are we still doing this? But, you know, at some point they got a little quieter. They got a little softer. Um, You know, I didn't have to, you know, let those rule my, you know, my next decision, you know, you know, but it it definitely took time, you know, we were doing, you know, year one through three, everything was great. Year three through five, it was a little tough. We made it through year five, you get to six or seven, 2008 hit, we went into a recession. What are we doing now? You know, trying to figure it out. 
um, you know, I have to say on the other side, COVID hit, you know, and COVID hit though, that actually propelled my business. You know, I'm in the world of video, every live event, all of a sudden wanted to be live streamed. So all of a sudden I could help in that. And um, people are knocking and banging down my door. I don't care what it costs. I just need to get my event out or how do I do this and make this happen for me. So, you know, you got to roll with it, you know? And like I said, it's always something new every day, but at the same time, you know, I, I, I thrive on that, you know, when I'm like, Oh, I got to do that again. I want to do that again. I want something new. (laughs) I have to ask, what did you do for big brother? Even though like right now, big brother is back up and going and it's been on for so many years. What did you do at big brother? Well, I didn't do anything at big brother. We were the production company that uh, supplied all their equipment and built their houses on CBS Radford studio that put all the cameras in place and did all of that. And then I crewed it. So, um, all the producers and crew people who are making the cameras move. So that was really what I did. I stood a lot behind, you know, double-sided mirrors and I'd watch the people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but those were days that I just showed up on set, you know, most of the time I sat in an office in Burbank (laughs) and CBS Radford was over in studio city, you know, 25 minutes away. (laughs) When you're, do you still watch it or like, or survivor and be like, wow, I played a role, even if it was like a small role or something, it's like, I was at least part of something because like, even looking at how big friends or general hospital is like being a part of these shows for a small bit and looking at how big of a fan base they have, it's still rewarding in a way. Right. Of course, you know, those are, you know, those are proud moments that, you know, don't ever come off my resume. Uh, you know, those are definitely um, feathers in my cap that um, I'm very proud of. And they were a lot of fun, um, you know, in the moment of the the Hollywoodness, they were a lot of fun. They were a lot of work, you know, and um, the starstruckness kind of goes away pretty quickly <laughs> when, um, you know, it, it's 14 hour days and um, yeah. someone yeah. tells you that you either, you know, failed or succeeded, you know, you, you get over that all really quick. But, um, you know, it's, I, I have gotten to a point to, you know, people are people, productions are productions. I still watch the shows. I sit there and I'm like, you know, there's things that I catch that I'm like, oh, somebody missed that. <laughs> you know? But um, but at the same time, you know, I, I've distanced myself now over the last 17 years from the, the Hollywoodness again, that now I'm back into just being able to be a fan. Uh, you know, I watch and pay more attention to news, uh, you know, Uh, ABC, NBC, CBS news, because when they make a mistake, I don't feel so bad about the mistakes that I make now. So, you know, (laughs) I pay more attention to that and just kind of, you know, be a regular viewer of, you know, entertainment television, but it is fun. My kids, you know, uh, they watch friends and in the, the year that I worked on the show, they, they know the season that I worked on the show and they're like, Oh mom, there's your name. (laughs) (laughs) When you were making or building your 
production companies, were, were you ever thinking, hoping that your kids followed in your footstep and could be a part of it with you? Or if they take a different path, you're still happy no matter what? Well, that's a touchy subject because my business is JDS. JDS stands for the initials of my three children. Oh, so, um, <laughs> um, they are very interested, you know, growing up, my oldest, he wasn't an actor or a performer. He didn't like that side. Although um, the one time he did act, I, I, my husband and I are like, oh my gosh, he's probably the most talented out of the family. Uh, but he was, he's into the, the computer aspect. So growing up, um, he did all the lights and the sound for the play. So he does have a huge interest. Um, he's now you know, trying to figure out life as a young adult in his twenties and, um, has a little bit of interest, but he has a job. So he's kind of doing his own thing. My other two children, my youngest is, uh, definitely very interested in the arts and she is at the, at the studio all the time. She's in musical theater. She does our plays and our productions. And she, um, has my mother-in-law's, um, songbird voice. And, you know, she's definitely has, has the gift if she chooses to use it. My middle son, he's, um, he work, he does work for us. So, um, he, he has a part-time job here, you know, mostly in the facilities aspect, but, you know, he does all the plays and, and stuff like that. But now he's starting to move into like this summer cause he's 17. It's, he's going into his senior year. He, um, was the assistant director of the summer camp program instead of being in the play, he was directing it. So they're taking on other, um, roles, you know, I, I still, I have a good 10, 15 years left in me at this point, at least until my daughter, my youngest figures out what she's doing. So, you know, we'll see if it comes back around. That was part of the reason why, um, we even launched the nonprofit, you know, as a nonprofit and not even as a for-profit because I wanted to build something that, um, I could walk away from at some point and it can still exist. Um, so that was really where the, the idea of the nonprofit came because that could be something that could be a, um, that would have its longevity, you know, the video production or the actor studio, we're working on ways to extend that and bring more life to it, whether or not we're in it, but you know, that's, you know, that's by mine and my husband's touch has made though that business a success. And so, you know, if we're not touching it, will it, you know, will the client still want to work with just someone we told how to touch it instead of us touching it? When did you start realizing that you wanted to start writing the book? You talked about you had a passion for writing and were you continuing to write before you had the idea of writing the book? Um, yes. And no, yes. (laughs) Um, so I mean, that's my short little answer. Um, writing a book, I have to say, um, is always been something that, you know, that would be great to write a book. Um, I never thought it was something that I could actually ever really do. You know, I, I, as I said, I can't stare at a blank page and go, ah, you know, in the whale of the body of the mouth, you know, and just start writing. Um, so it was something, especially over the last probably five to seven years, my husband and I have been talking about writing a book on how to break into the entertainment industry as an actor. 
and he is the teacher. So we've always said, especially when it comes to the actor's studio, he's show, I'm business. You put it together, we're show business. And so he teaches the craft of the acting and the and how to um, develop characters and break down scripts and get your emotional connection and um, do the things that an actor needs to do. That's, you know, that's his jam. I am the one who can tell you how to break into the industry, what you need to make it happen. So um, when we started bringing that together, we started launching some careers through the actor studio, through our industry showcase and bringing the agents back down. We started talking about, oh, we should write a book and we should do that. But it was like, oh yeah, when are we ever going to have time to do something like that? Right. So, um, you know, it was just something that kind of just always sat out there, but then, um, this year, you know, uh, I got involved in um, uh, in a mastermind group and started meeting some incredible people. And, um, you know, fear was inching its way into the front seat and I had to kick it back to the back seat and tell it, no, nope, I'm going to do this. And, you know, and took a leap of faith because I, you know, I, I, I invested money into it by hiring someone who I knew could help me you know, once I get all the stuff out, how do I organize it? How do I put it together? How do we deliver this? How do we do that? So, you know, she's talk about this, you know, she's helping us, you know, get it out, asking the questions so we can put the content out there. And then, you know, she's helping organize it and, you know, put it into something that is book worthy. <laughs> is there anything I mean, you're looking at uh, the at passion you have for the industry. Is there anything else that you hope to add or continue or be able to do in the future? Or are you happy with having the three different companies and being a part at all? Um, no, I'm always growing. I'm always changing. I'm always looking for what's next, you know, um, you know, and I guess right now, you know, I, I always say I'm focused right now on the exit strategy, but the exit strategy doesn't mean retirement. The exit mm-hmm. strategy means what's next, you know, and you know, how, you know, how I elevate out from where I am now. So people can come in and even fill this position that I'm in and I go off and do other things. So, um, you know, I am starting to move a little bit more, you know, as I'm writing, I'm writing this book, I have a goal of writing another book more on entrepreneurship, which will be much more just my book instead of a book with my husband. Um, but you know, I call it my mailbox money, you know, I got to start, um, building my business for my mailbox money. So when I'm, um, sitting on the beach somewhere, um, you know, all my efforts are still paying (laughs) off and I can, (laughs) I can live my lifestyle, um, kind of thing. So, um, you know, I'm focused on what that, you know, how I'm going to go about earning that mailbox money. The book is a step in that probably going to um, work my way into some consulting and coaching, um, taking on individuals who need, um, you know, more help and direction and whether it be breaking into this industry or um, just succeeding in life being, you know, I'm a firm believer that, you know, you got to manifest what you want. You got to think positive. If you start with being grateful, you can't think about all the other stuff that's going on in your head because once you fill it with some gratefulness you just start moving in that grateful manner you know if I sat around and thought about all the stuff that sucked then I would probably just sit here and go my god there's a lot of stuff that sucks right you know but if I start thinking about all the things that are great then I start thinking about how I can go be a part of those things or how I can do my own great things or 
how I can take that great thing and make it better. You know, I get very, you know, when I get down in the dumps, I only kind of let myself kind of get there for a little while and, you know, have a good cry. Everyone needs a good cry. You know, I got some great advice from Henry Winkler, you know, the Fonz. He told me, you know, go scream in your pillow. Um, You know, that was one of what, one of the greatest things that I was meeting with him and James Burroughs, who is a famous director. And as I was talking about how do I, you know, make my mark in the industry, you know, me at 23 years old and um, meeting with, two iconic people that I'm trying to impress at and hoping that they're going to make me the the star that I always (laughs) wanted to be right that didn't happen but you know they looked at me and goes oh make sure you cry in your pillow or you you go you know put a get a you know take a get a punching bag and work the the thing get your frustrations out I'm like that's not what I wanted to hear but (laughs) but now I get it you know it's now at that time I was like, well, that was a, you know, why am I, you know, why am I meeting with you? You're supposed to be my way in. Right. I thought I had a way in because my mom knew these people. Um, but they weren't my way in. They weren't my quick fix answer. I had to be that for myself and I had to learn how to deal with my highs and my lows and still stay the course. You know, you get too low and you stay too low too long then you don't ever get up and move. You get too high and you're always up there that, and you're always looking for that high. And, you know, you can't live life high all the time, you know? So you just have to be able to live life and, and move through it. So, you know, that's, you know, that's my, you know, my kind of strategy now for living life. So I kind of see that as, you know, that's where I'm sure my career will start to, move me towards more in that consulting and coaching and um, more what I do now, but on a, not so much of the day to day. Okay. It's payroll. I got to do payroll. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, I got to return that email to make sure that that contract goes through, yeah. you know, the final question I'll ask you for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals and rise to the challenge? That's a great question. Um, Passion. Passion is definitely the center. If you can center yourself around your passion, you will be successful because when you are working your passion or living your passion, even when things maybe go off track a little while uh, for a moment or two or in another direction, your passion will keep you centered. So I'm a firm believer that, um, and that's what I look for when I hire people is that passion. I can teach skill. You can teach skill. I can put your hands on it. This is video production. It's not brain surgery. So, you know, in that sense, it's, um, you know, you, you, if you have passion, you bring a little bit of raw talent and interest. I can put your hands on it. You can learn. Um, never stop learning. That is how you keep rising to the challenge is you keep learning. Keep reaching for something new. The minute you get complacent, then what? Why? There, you know, you have to keep seeking out that new challenge. You know, I tell that at you to my my students every day, 
you know, what are you doing? Oh, there's nothing for me to do. What do you mean there's nothing for you to do? Go out and find that challenge, challenge yourself, look for that because that's what's going to make you a better person, a a better employee, a, a better entrepreneur, a better wife, a better husband, a better friend, you know, when you are consistently trying to always do better, you get to be better. And, um, and it, it's okay when you find a challenge and you think it's your challenge and you start up that hill and you realize, hey, maybe this isn't my purpose or this isn't my jam. It's okay to change your mind, but don't, don't give up. It, you know, you can change your mind, but don't quit. If this is what you want and this is where you see yourself, you keep going. You know, the entertainment industry is a very tough business. It's very subjective, but I, I am a firm believer that anyone can work in this industry. You just have to find your place. It's a multi-billion dollar industry from CPAs to nurses, to doctors, to janitorial, to mailroom people, to Producers, directors, actors, sound people, writers, secretaries, they're all in the mix. Every every industry touches this industry. And so if you want to be in this industry, you just have to find what your jam is and what makes you work. And if you go into that with a passion, you'll love your work and you'll love what you do. You'll find new challenges and you'll keep rising to them. Diane, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many individuals and we're excited to see what the future looks like for you. Oh, thank you so much, Alex. It's been a pleasure being here. Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe on all major audio platforms and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to the full length episode and video format. What path will you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.